on Sky Sports Radio. Time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh, Yeah, good morning and welcome to a massive week. It is the 9th of October and we are getting set for Everest Week, of course. And on Sky Sports Radio, what a way to start your Monday with punters post-mortem looking back at some of the great racing out of the weekend. Our panel today is Ron Dovesey, Chris Roots and David Gately. And we will be chatting to them very, very soon. It is a massive week. We've got barrier draws tomorrow, of course, for the Tab Everest. What about the undercard? I know we're going to be talking a lot about... Obviously, the big sprint race, but, geez, this King Charles, if they all land, which it looks like they're going to do, is going to be an absolute cracker on Saturday. The Kosciuszko, a number of participants from all over New South Wales will be coming to Royal Randwick on Saturday. That's going to be a story in itself. And the weather looks absolutely sensational in Sydney town all week. So really looking forward to what's on the cards, of course. Um, Sun pretty much... All week. We get a bit of cloud tomorrow, but Wednesday, 23, fine. Thursday, 29, fine. So some heat there on Thursday. Be interesting to see what Mike Wood does this week in regards to irrigation for the track. Saturday, 27 degrees and 15 and not a cloud in the sky. That is the weather prediction. And, of course, whilst we're here in New South Wales and we talk about that, what's happening down in Melbourne also comes to uh, the light on Saturday where we get to see the old SF... The Sydney form go south. Will we see militarised? Just go crash bang wallop in the Caulfield Guineas. That's going to be fascinating to watch on Saturday afternoon, along with a great undercard of racing there in Melbourne. The Guineas, you've got the uh, Scalacci as well. Uh, the Turak, will we see the Turak winner then come like in previous years up for a Golden Eagle? It's been definitely the form race in the last couple of years. The Might and Power, the Herbert Power, etc. So for a punter on Saturday. If you can't get to Royal Randwick or you can't get to Caulfield or you can't get to Doombin or Eagle Farm or wherever you are in this country, you won't miss a thing on uh, Sky Racing and you are in for a treat. Ron Duffersey, it's a wonderful time of the year, mate. And Saturday, I thought, was sensational. How was your day there at Rose Hill, mate? Yeah, it was a terrific day uh, out there at Rose Hill, Dave. And um, you said it all, the lead into one of the biggest um, weekends of racing in Australian history, I think, with this... uh, Everest meeting and that undercard is just unbelievable. You could go down the page, not just the two big races, like you said, the Sydney Stakes, the Kosciuszko, and this Silver Eagle is going to be a beauty. And then we got the gloaming as well. So and the Angston, we can go on and on. And then obviously in Melbourne, um, it's an amazing race. The Caulfield Guineas always, and the Tool Rack and Might and Power as well. So it's. Uh, um, amazing days racing. It certainly is. Uh, you're going to be there at Ramwick on uh, Saturday enough doing a lot of stuff for Sky Thoroughbred Central. Gator, you're going to be on our Sky Racing One screens. You're going to have one of the best seats in the house there next Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's not going to get a lot of sleep this week. I'll give you the big tip. But, um, yeah, certainly we have to obviously dissect uh, the weekend we just had. It was it was a tough weekend if you're a sweeper in, in Melbourne or Sydney, unless your name was Gold Trip, though. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Talk about uh, his performance, of course, in the Tab Turnbull. And Chris Roots from the Sydney Morning Herald. Chris, good morning to you. I mean, these weeks are very busy when it comes to news. What are some of the, before we get into an analysis of the races, uh, what are some of the big bits of news to come out of Saturday's racing? 
Well, I think yeah, we we just saw um, the best weight for a horse win the Hill Stakes, and that was pretty clear. Amazing uh, turn of foot from Monophilia, and the horses behind it, the, the next three behind it, are all going to be good horses, but they're probably in the end well placed in handicaps now. So we'll be looking out for horses, horses like Protagonist, PG Mal, and. Zarek, if they go down to Melbourne, they might stay here for a, a crazy place. Who knows? Um, it's sort of a, the the day was sort of it was, it's a funny day because it's sort of calm before the storm. We we don't have a real focus race. The Alan Brown was a good contest. Cepheus is is going to now carry sixty two in a big dance. He gets really well. He'll be really well suited as a quality handicap. But you know, everyone's sort of just in the back of their minds thinking. What's going to happen to Everest? What are your long going to take? Where are we? What, uh, what are we going to see in the King Charles? That I can't wait to see Mr. Brightside. We've got two Victorians coming up that haven't been beaten in Sydney when they've come here. So it's going to be a great week, and um, the build-up will just get bigger and bigger starting on Tuesday night with the barrier we reveal. It certainly will. Let's uh, let's start in with that race because you did touch on it. Uh, obviously, Montefilia. Um, the Huyamal sort of jumped away at the top of the straight after being ridden more positive by Hippo Duff, and you thought, hang on a second, and she's back in the pack, Montefilia, and she just savaged the line. Yeah, she did. That's the class that she's got, and it's been a slowly, slowly approach to bring her to a peak by uh, the Wallace Stable. Obviously, 1900, Rose Hill she loves. Uh, she'd had a few runs under her belt. She looked a bit one-paced in a couple of them, but she showed that old turn of foot there on Saturday and uh, get over the top. Who you mailed, I think, was just... Once uh, Mount Popper sort of was beaten, he left. He was lumbered in front there a bit soon and he seemed to gawk and all over the place. But uh, best, best horse wins. Protagonist was good. No compromise, did what he does. He always has a go. I thought Young Werther had little excuses wide, which was a no-no on the day, um, just covering that ground. Before we get to David Gailey, let's just hear from the beaten jockeys. This audio from Sky over the weekend. This is the beaten jockeys from the Hill Stakes. Adam Hieronymus, who you mal? Yeah, he went great. Just a, just a bit of an awkward horse, and just late there, he just wanted to sort of wander around, and he bumped into the winner. And yeah, that probably would have lost it on protest, but um, horse has gone fantastic. Protagonist Dylan Gibbons. Yeah, brave performance. He um, had to persist through a needle life for me, and he did that. And look, he was very gallant in defeat. Tommy Berry Zayrak. He ran a great race, same sort of race he always does. It just does worry me a little bit that he hasn't put him away yet. A compromise, Tyler Schiller? Yeah, massive run coming from last. He got a bit of luck um, hooking on to Montefilia in the straight, and I thought he ran on really strongly. Billy Egan, Young Werther? Yeah, he ran well. Our visitors, George, might have cost him a place. Brett Preble hinged? Uh, better this time. <laughs> She's bounced back good. She travelled a bit too strong, actually. Um, hit a bit of a flat patch when they when they quicken. Looking for a bit of cut in the ground, I think. Tim Clark Lunces. Yeah, good on us, Ryan. He's ticking over well. Mary and Ryan Maloney. Yeah, I thought he was ran through the line really well. Obviously, it was a bit of a sit and sprint, but he picked up through the line nicely. Kathy O'Hara, Skylab. Not a bad run. Uh, slowly run race. He just needs a bit of rain around. Karen McAvoy, Matt Lynch, Magical Lagoon. Wasn't too bad. We were three deep with some cover the whole way. Travelled nice. I think she'll enjoy getting the round week over a similar trip. Fireburn, Jason Collett. Uh, had a wide run, probably, yeah, no no luck from there. Kobe Jennings, Mount Popper. We were forced to make our way to the front, but um, we got an easy time once we got there. Probably just a second up, and we were asked to go a bit early on. Rachel King-Hosier. Uh, I think he might just be in need of a break. That were the beaten jockeys. So we go back to you, Gator. What did you make of Montefilia and the Hill Stakes, mate? 
Yeah, look, she was uh, excellent. I thought, she, uh, similar to Duff, she was just digging over okay this prep, but that's what this stable do. They just get them to peak uh, and uh, improve them. Um, and, you know, given the pattern of the day and the moderate tempo that all those beaten riders suggested uh, was evident on the clock, they went about six lengths below Group 2 average. So um, certainly not um, a great test of endurance, adds merit to the win of Montefiore, whose sectionals home were, uh, were exceptional. Now, Chris, you mentioned uh, in an article I saw in the Herald, and it's also popped up elsewhere, but um, this is the longest time Nash in a little while has been out of the stewards' room. Yeah, Nash, I have to remember it's the best he's ridden. He goes, it's probably the longest I've been out of the stewards' room. So five, um, five weeks, I think it was in, uh, I read that yesterday. Yeah. He, said five, he, he said five weeks. I think it might be a little bit longer, but since he's in good form, like whether it's a ride like that where he was back in the field buried... And the difference between Nash now and Nash, when he was getting into trouble, he takes a stride or two just to allow things to happen in front of him. He's not pushing the button, trying to push out and things like that. And it's just working for him. He, he, he's such a horseman that when, he get, when he's sitting on top of these horses and, they, and he's waiting for the run, he can get them to explode like that. It's a bit, I've spoken in the past about Zach Lloyd being able to get him to quicken I stride faster than anyone else, and that's what Nash does. Like when he when he wait, was waiting for the run, he he was just ready to explode on Montefiore when he got to four or five off. He waited for the run, and when it came, she just took off like uh, a, a really good weight for Rachel's, and that's probably probably what she she is. She's probably close to the best weight for age horse in the country. Um, now that we've lost Animo and others, you know, if you go back to her form, she was she was the one who was running running second behind. Dubai honour honour there in the autumn, and she's she's been constantly thereabouts, but she's always been a length or two off. And she's right up there with the best weight for eight horses, and she really seems to have found a ping in her legs late. So, you know, onwards and upwards. I don't know where they go whether they go to a course or a couple of cocks plate, but uh, or just stay here and pick off the big prize money. You know, she's already a four-time Group One winner. It's not going to help her value at start, and. I think Chris might have in the back of the mind to pay off the th- more than three million that they they had. I really think this race for uh, was a target race. I think Chris Waller marked this when she walked into the stable. There's a two million dollar race. There's a million I get back to you along, and um, he once again got the job done. I think um, protagonist might be one to follow. It's thirty on the old entry for the Caulfield Cup with fifty two kilos. I think it'll run a mile and a half and. If it, gets, if it gets out, it doesn't have to get held up looking for that run for a, for about uh, 50 metres. I think it gets a lot closer to the winner. Let's go to Melbourne and talk about um, the Tad Turnbull Stakes. Our eyes were on the Hong Kong horse, Romantic Warrior. Obviously, uh, with the Whirlpool, it was very short on the Super Tab Tote. Um, I think it SP'd around that 245 with most um, with most betting companies. Uh, I know with Tab, it was around that 240, 245 mark. Um, but the way in which this horse has won, Duff, uh, Gold Trip, it just picked him up and just went bang. And as Gator alluded to, it was a position you really didn't want to be in on the day. So it gives it even more credit. And another part question I'll, I'll pose to all of you, uh, maybe it's just the eye, um, but it just seems to me, and, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, which I probably am, but what are, they, are they running races slower in Melbourne? Like It just seems like the, the tempo falls out of these races at, in certain periods, and I'm wondering why that is. Probably because they've got grand finals to come and they don't want to give their horses really hard runs. So um, 
Yes, I think sometimes you've got to trust your eye. And to, to the eye, he was um, probably the run of the day, <laughs> or without doubt run of the day, considering circumstances where you would have thought, oh, this will be his warm-up, just tick along and um, you know, get him to the Melbourne Cup again and see how he goes. But, boy, boy, he's put his, um, put his hand right up there. If he can lift off this again, um, he's right there. Um, obviously, I thought West Wind's blows was very, very good. And um, I thought I, I was keen that Ozapenko had run well here. I just thought he was exposed too early. And a romantic warrior, I don't know. Sulkin was great for the cup moving forward. And, and I thought maybe Francesco Gardi did enough with that Walla ease back factor, just get him right for the day with um, one or two targets in mind. And, um, yeah, a, a good race. But, uh, and a much better from Luna Flair there as well. What about yourself, Gator? Uh, how did you see the Tab Turnbull Stakes from where you sat, mate? Yeah, look, uh, I guess to the eye, uh, it didn't look too fierce, but it, look, it's, it sort of was. Um, so the first uh, 600 was near five lengths above Group 1 average, so that's fast. Um, they did, um, you know, and that uh, adds merit, I think, to the run of West Wind Blows, who, who was off midfield early, four wide, went forward on that fast speed. So he's actually going quicker than the, the five lengths above, and he didn't get to second spot until it was halfway to the 1,000-metre mark. And uh, he beat all by one. It was gold trip. He sat back and was a brilliant win. Take nothing away from him. He relished, because of his endurance, he relished that solid speed. Uh, sit, uh, sat back and, and, look, his change-up speed was exceptional. Not many sail by Romantic Warrior and West Wind Blows <laughs> over the world. So um, nothing short of outstanding. Sulcum, I agree. Uh, rock solid through on the inside. Um, Romantic Warrior was, was solid enough, just got a bit keen early. Uh, the pre-race parade from people who know better than me say he, he needed it. And, yeah, Ozapenko working early on that fast speed. He's not good enough for that, but not many are. Before we get to you, Chris Roots, on the uh, Turnbull Stakes, let's hear what the beaten jocks had to say behind Gold Trip. Damien Oliver, Osipenko. He ran well. I followed our west wind to the turn, but he kept going on and just lost his cover a little bit early and um, felt he ran well, but probably just will improve the run over the 2,000. Mick D, Luna Flair. Very good. Good to see her back here at Flemington, and she ran well. She just loves it here. Craig Newitt, Bankmore. Yeah, had a good run, just not quite up to him. Jamie Mont, Smoking Romans. Yeah, look, a shade disappointing. Blinkers on today, we rolled forward, um, but yeah, he was, he was gone pretty early. James McDonald, Romantic Warrior. Yeah, he was good. He was. Um, he needed the run a bit, so you're proof. Daniel Moore, Uncle Bryn. Yeah, look, on face value, he's playing. He had the speed to suit, switched off reasonably well and wasn't there for me at the film. John McNeil, El Bodegon. He ran an improved race today and should be suited to more ground. Jamie Carr, Emissary. Yeah, he felt really good until the 100 where I honestly felt like he broke down. He pulled up really sore, so something's going to miss there. Merton, Spanish Mission. Yeah, great run. Um, look, had a lovely run in transit. Source was really eager to get on with it today. He travelled nicely. A uh, bit more clear in the room. I thought I was going to finish a little bit closer, but it's good to see him back. Damien Lane, Francesco Gardi. He was OK. Uh, he travelled really well on the corner and presented to go on and be really competitive, but I felt like he might have just, just peaked on his run at the 200, so I think that run will have him in perfect stead for all going forward. Amy Spencer, West Wind Blows. Yeah, you're on a good race. Everyone's happy. Harry Coffey, Barclay Square. Yeah, he was too keen and didn't breathe properly and failed to finish off. Ben Allen, Duke de Sessa. Uh, good run. Just pulled a little bit through the middle stages. Once a tongue tie, I reckon. Dean Yendel, 
upright you are. Uh, he went he went well for his um, for his grand final in a couple of weeks. So uh, there's a run in the merit. He probably needed it. So I thought it was a pretty good run. Top. Craig Williams, Sulcum. Yeah, really, uh, really great performance running into third. It was a lot slower ran race to, today compared to his his last couple. Uh, he's pulled up really well. He felt really good and closed the race off nicely. So wherever Chris wants to go, I'm assuming it's up in distance with him. He'll, he'll start getting right into his wheelhouse. Yeah, that was uh, the beaten jocks to come out of the uh, Turnbull Stakes. We jump back up to Sydney. And by the way, we've opened the phone lines too. 135353 is the open line number if you've got a question for our panel today and a lot to dissect. We've touched on the Hill Stakes and the Turnbull. We might touch on the Alan Brown. Cepheus, a lovely ride here from Nash. Uh, Duff defeats Coda Healy and Flying Crazy. And I thought Roots was a very good run as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so... Take nothing away from the winner. He he carried the weight and beat a good field. And uh, he's just in rare form, this horse. He's just uh, turned the corner, uh, savaging the line. So um, a deserved winner, although I think Coda Healy was unlucky. Uh, we all saw that. He, he, got, he missed the start. That was fine. He found a beautiful position in close. Great. And then when he had to come out... He ran into a snag, and it, it's cost him the race for sure. Flying crazy, just used the, the inside lane and, and charged home there. He was excellent. And I thought, considering the time they ran here, a tractable set up that time and did a, an incredible job. Uh, uh, first up, from off a few months' break, Roots was good. Palmetto just uh, was... Uh, pretty good as well. He was not beaten far at the finish after coming probably down the worst part of the track. Detonated Jack, I think, still probably couldn't keep him fresh enough for the 1400. He, he probably wants further. Forgive for Waterford, considering circumstances. Disappointing Argentia. And uh, that was about the race, really. But uh, all honours with the winner. Second was unlucky. A couple of forgive runs. What about the race for you, Gator? Yeah, if you have to trust it when they're running that fast, 121.22 track record off of 46.97 first 800 slick. If you're breaking 47, isn't it, that first 800, it's 5.3 lengths above the class average. Overall time, yeah, we, we've mentioned that. So Cepheus was with the 59, gave six kilos to the runner-up. He was unlucky, but I agree with Duff. It's hard to take anything away from the winner, um, given the time, given the weight differential. Flying crazy, he is flying, and uh, Roots was a lovely return. Jack looked like he needs further. He was well-backed. Um, there's a few in that race that I think need a bit further than the four, a fast run, 1,400. He was one of those. Any news to come out of this race, apart from Cepheus and that new track record uh, too, um, Chris? Yeah, Matty done very quick to point out that it's a quality handicap in the big dance, and the way Cepheus is going, he's going to compress the weights a lot there, so... Um, if they've got to give him 62, the next one's got, probably going to be somewhere around 58 or or 59 at, at the most. So, you know, he's, he's just a dead set airborne and Nash is, a, Nash is played a big role in this and Matt Dunn keeps saying it, you know. Nash was the one who found the key to it. And that's what happens when you put the good ones on. They can they can steer you into the right sort of races. They were trying as a stayer and they brought him back to a mile and 1,400 metres and he's just flying the horse behind them. There's a lot of horses here that will be going to the big dance and and Coda Healy has to win the big dance qualifier in a couple of weeks to get in. It's um it's been a horse that hasn't won a lot of races but it always has that flashing light on it and a mile at Randwick just looks ready made for it. If he can get into the big dance he will test 
test CPS and probably testing for favouritism. In regards to the beaten jocks here, I've got the beaten jocks and what they had to say in the Alan Brown. I'm Sherry Coderhill. Uh, yeah, silver run. Tough pull to swallow, but uh, he was forced up and he's raced the corner. He's, um, he raced brilliantly and hopefully we meet him again at the big dance. Zach Lloyd flying crazy. Yeah, enormous run. He's um, really savaged the line there. Um, yeah, you can't ask much more from him. He's, he's really going well, this horse. Regan Bayless, attractable? Yeah, he's on track for the big dance. Tommy Berry Roots? Yeah, considering you first up 1400, she rattled home late, so she's in for a good prep. Karen McAvoy, Palmetto? Yeah, he ran a good race. He's going to maybe enjoy going a little bit further now. Jason Collett, Detonator Jack? H- had a lovely position and run, but was probably racing at my top most of the way, so... I uh, just didn't really have enough or there to play with late. Bandersnatch, Kobe Jennings? He's running really well. Um, I have to use him up a lot from an awkward gate, but at the top of the straight, he was he was feeling really well. Brett Preble, Waterford? Yeah, he's got a little bit further out of his ground, I would have liked, and just made it too hard from there. Tyler Schiller, Argentia? Yeah, a bit plain. Um, not sure what's happened there. She travelled lovely, just didn't let down. Brock Ryan, Cuban Royale? Good run, he just might be looking for a mile now. And Clippard and Lions Rock? Um, I thought he ran really well. He um, probably just looking to get to a mile at Ranwick, but uh, the horse is going particularly well this preparation. Andy Atkins, Wild Planet? Uh, Barry just probably just got in his road today. It was wide and but he ran OK. He was entitled to stop late. Kathy O'Hara, Cisco May? Yeah, not bad first up. Looking for further. Hard the way the track's playing today to make up a lot of ground. Tim Clark, Skyman? Just found it a bit short. He was sort of at his top the whole way. Jay Ford, Alentia. She was disappointing. Found a nice spot with cover, but she dropped the bridle from the 700 and never recovered. JVO, Benju. First up, probably just needed the run. That's all. Ryan Maloney, Stockman. No, I just never felt comfortable at any stage of the race. I dare say he's jarred up on that firm track. It was pretty firm out there. Just on the track uh, too, uh, Duff, obviously, if you, you're doing your replays and your review, you needed to be um, more, was more advantageous to be sort of in that first half of the field. Yeah, not so much the first half of the field. I think if you had to make your run, it was a big advantage to make your run in close, um, which was proven. Um, inside draws were the four of the day. A couple with that one from wider draws went forward and got up outside the lead. And I think it was quite evident. And we always know what to expect with Rose Hill on, you know, hard, fast tracks. And we did have a lot of rain coming into the meeting. So the tracks are in fine order, but you just got to... And the wind that come really made help them run fast time. So um, a little bit misleading with a fast day, but definitely an advantage. I'm ticking, ticking off everything that settled off the rail coming wide. Everything's got to get a big tip, tick there, I say. Uh, the, in the uh, Niverson, obviously, we saw a wonderful performance from a, a, a mare that we've seen in Sydney before. And Well, it was the Nashua Willis show on Saturday. She's a good mare, isn't she? You don't see them... And, and this was the ride of the day, really. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look, she usually takes a sit, but Nash read the play, kicked up underneath Paracel to get pushed across, and then after doing work early, to accelerate the way she did, is a mare in form. So she'll present perfectly in this invitation in a couple of weeks, third up, uh, ready to go off a big win. He certainly will. Here's what Nash had to say before we get to you, Gator. Congratulations, Nash. How explosive was she when she changed lead legs at about the 300? Yeah, look, Jackie uh, Lake sort of explained that to me, that she, she, she's likely to do that when you when you really ask her for, for her uh, last effort. And 
yeah, she sort of changed off a Sydney lead, turned her arm and got balanced up, and, and obviously I kept hold of her. But um, when I asked her for that effort and she, you know, changed legs again, she just exploded. And um, you, you could tell she was going to do that, you know. She, I was just trying to uh, keep that little bit up my sleeve so that she had a good kick. And she did give a good, gig, uh, good kick, didn't she, Gator? Yeah, look, I think she's amongst the very best mares in the country. Um, and uh, I think there's still room to move with her. I think the the early work um, on a good solid speed, 35.29, first 600, a bit length and a half above average. Uh, and she was able to absorb that kick through. Look, it's never a great spot for mine. I know the inside was advantageous, but that lead spot, um, in, sorry, inside the leader uh, without cover, it's pretty horrid, you know, generally speaking. They have to work. Uh, so she absorbed all that, kicked in strongly and, and won like the elite mare that she is. Chris, um, we touched on Nash before, but uh, and Duff goes, uh, just mentioned before about the invitation. So we're going to be seeing a lot more of this mare in Sydney, aren't we? Yeah, she she was uh, given an invitation to the invitation straight away after the race. So she will come back up talking to Graham Big. That's, that's the target, take the money. She's won a couple of stage races already in the... They'll take the money money now, but she she's, she looks like she's going to be a horse that will get to to a Group One eventually, whether whether that's in the in the in this spring or in the autumn. But she's she's certainly got a high speed, and good to see John Muir getting a really nice horse there on the track. I went out and walked it before the first and just have a look at it, and it was worn out where they've been racing, which was about seven or eight metres off. It was very worn out there and a bit loose, and I think that contributed to horses not being able to make as much ground as they they really could um, out there and and the speed like race or races like that but you know um, the the best going was back towards the inside uh, and it certainly showed where, when you sort of got out the wider you got out the harder it was to make ground all right uh, you're on the uh, Punters post-mortem for this Monday. Ron Doversy, Chris Roots and David Gately. We'll take a quick break at 9.34. The phone lines are open too. 13.53.53. Call now if you've got a question. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters post-mortem. You most certainly are. Ron Doversy, Chris Roots and David Gately starting the week. It's Everest week, as we mentioned. Uh, what about the performance, one of the performances of the weekend? It was down there in Melbourne. It was the old SF, as I say, Sydney form. The superimposed Duff. Now, our eyes were on Riff Rocket because we saw this horse, of course, go around in that Rose Hill midweeker. Uh, it was defeated by Snowman on that occasion. But the way in which he has won, and, and it was just unbelievable the way he put him away on a furlong. Yeah, he shocked me. I was sort of half potting him going into the race. I looked on, I looked on Friday and he was $5 to two seventy. I said, what have I missed here? The provincial Kembla class one, and I know... Um, you know, he's probably a nice horse that beat him the other day in Snowman, but, um, you know, a Rose Hill midweek race going into, a, you know, um, a stakes race here. I thought, oh, that's too short without knowing the opposition. But how wrong you can get it. <laughs> he absolutely toyed with him. He was 50 to 1 for the derby when he, he moved into the barrier there, and he came out out the other end of it uh, being a, a rock solid favourite for the derby. So, mm. yep, look, obviously. He's a, a very nice stayer in the making and uh, just needed those runs at the sh- little bit shorter course coming into this. And he did have a prep in Melbourne uh, at his his first preparation. So, yeah, I missed him along all the way, but you had to be impressed with him. Certainly. Uh, no doubt you were impressed with him, Gator? 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult when they're winning by that margin, isn't it? Um, you know, it just it just tells you the dominance straight away when you're beating everything by five and a half lengths. Uh, but what you can add to that um, is, you know, pretty solid enough tempo by listed class average, a length and a half below, but still, you know, 115 and change uh, for the first 1,200. It's pretty good going, yet his last 600 was, was very, very good. Overall time, near three lengths above the class average. And his last 200-metre split was 11.40 at the end of 1,800, uh, the second quickest of the entire day. Um, there's a lot of good horses running there on Saturday, so mm. uh, a, a lot of merit on the clock as well as obviously the visual. Mm. Uh, Chris, there's a bit of a uh, well, there's a lot of movement for this horse as soon as they went final field last Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, and he comes he comes through a line of form which is was a horse called Snowman. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes because could end up in a in a nice race, maybe a calendar personal or something like that. Yeah, that's where it's being the... that's where it's being backed. I was about to say that. If you look at the yeah. all in markets for the uh, the calendar personal, which is on the twenty eighth of October. There's already been good support around for a snowman in that particular race into fifteen dollars. Uh was as much when markets opened as uh twenty six. He just dropped into another another gear, didn't he? When he when it, when James found the found the um found the hole and turned the whip around, he just gave him one behind the saddle and he just took off and it was a this rocket I'm talking about, it, it, it was as impressive as you'll see and um he looks like it's st- staying will be his caper, so um, he'll probably stay in Melbourne and uh, and be very hard to beat in the derby. It was it was a good day there for Sydney on the weekend. The Sydney form early on, they were the the horses go down there and um, perform at their peak. And it's the same thing with Melbourne horses come to Sydney. In some ways, they send their real good ones up here, and you know you're not sending you're not putting a horse on a float these days and going a thousand kilometres without thinking, well, I'm a real chance of winning this race. Let's get to our first caller. We've got Tony on the line. G'day, Tony. Hey, Dave. How are you, mate? Good, mate. What's happening? Oh, mate. You know, beautiful Monday. Living the dream. Outstanding. What's yeah, on your mind, is? mate? Uh, mate, I just wanted to wrap it up. You mentioned it, but your punters uh, panel saluting on, on Friday. That was a, a good little handy get. The multi, yeah. I think they ripped 178,000 out. Uh, so. Yeah, and also, um, yeah, behind the gate, getting up too. So I think Nico is going to have... Uh, $10 minimum, or maximum next week. I think no, there won't be any of that. Um, don't worry, Dicko. He's probably got a big bonus, so don't worry about that. We'll keep trying, the, uh, to, trying to rip it the out. Was, beyond the gates, three winners and Kyobi running second, I think it was. So if you'd uh, multi the first three, it was over you know $150 multi or something like Jeez. that. So not bad. Good stuff, and, mate. Uh, the, other th- the other thing was, uh, I don't know if you probably didn't catch it yesterday, but um, you might have been on the plane, but race seven at Hawkesbury, your mate Marlow in the commentary just before the race. Did you catch any of that? Oh, I did. There was a cow on the uh, there was there was a cow on the track. Um, Marlow in his uh, you know comedic uh, banter. He uh, the, the uh, listeners might want to just look up on the tab up on the replay. He uh, he actually catch it. He was he, mooing. Um, he was he mooing. was mooing. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know that's classic Marlow, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, he's got to keep himself entertained there, mate, at Hawkesbury. And I don't know if he'd backed any winners yesterday. So, uh, But how did that cow get on the track? Does anyone know, Chris? How does, is there Because it was on the infield, or not in the infield, but it was on that on the inside of the synthetic. So how's it even yeah, got the, there? Well, it must have gone under the, under the rail. There's a, there's, a, uh, there's a fence around the track, but it, you know, it might have just walked across the road there and got, a, got, in, got out and 
you know, it's kept going into a fan somewhere where it felt the grass was good. And obviously, the grass on the inside of the track was the, <laughs> the, the, best, the best grass we could find. Oh, um, I looked up there, I looked up at work and saw it, and I just shook my head and said, you know, there's, there's another, another way for a race to be the line. We've seen it. I've seen kangaroos before, but I don't think I've ever seen a cow dog fillet a race. No, have you ever seen that duck? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it many a time. Um, I rode in a <laughs> I rode a race in a race at Kembla one day, and I think they used to have seven races there every Saturday. And for what some reason, they had eight on this day. And in the last race, the 2,000 metre start, I've jumped out the barrier, come across, and there's six cows on the track in the back straight. So it was mayhem. The jockeys are screaming and yelling, and horses going everywhere. Uh, cut a long story short, they, I don't know why, but they made it a race. Said no one was really inconvenienced. And then the, the, the bloke out the back, he's got a, his property, he opens the gate to let them graze after the last. But he, he, he didn't know there was eight races this day. So uh, they let all these cows on the track and uh, it was mayhem that day, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, what about the Roman console, guys, uh, in Sydney? I'll come to you here, Duff. Uh, we saw Osmosis go down after SPing 245 favourite and King's Gambit gets the saloon up the inside and he finally puts it all together. Yep, he does. He's a very talented horse. I've always loved him. Um, left flat from Flemington, but that can happen down the straight for the first time. But he, Tommy did a great job on him. He necked him at the start. He still wanted to get his head up and want to bolt there at little stages of the race, but... Once they that they put the express lane open for him, away he went. So more to come, much more to come. Uh, still work to do with him, uh, but he's up there with the best of them. But just needs to a little bit of race sense to come his way. Um, probably still one of the runs of the day. I would have thought was Celestial Legend, considering circumstances. He is just crying out for 1,400 a mile or maybe he's just crying out for a cup, one more run in the paddock and then the autumn. But um, he's, um, yeah, 1,200's not his go and he come right out wide, which I thought, no, no, no. So it was a yes, yes, yes after the race. What about uh, your opinion on the race, David Gailey? Yeah, look, I'm with Duff. I've been a believer. I'm a long way out on his his immense talent, this horse, King's Gambit. And I just... just, um, was confused up the straight uh, first up I just don't think he's a natural leader and then I saw the trial where they went back and then race day that's the way that's the key to him he does have to iron some things out absolutely as Duff mentioned because there's just nowhere to hide when you get to that elite level you just can't afford to be making those mistakes against these horses he was too good and he ran good time you know relative to a really really good mare in magic time on the day off a slower first 600 uh, you know he's only a couple of ticks below her time so uh, another one that was exceptional on the clock on the day. Chris? Yeah, the winner was... Uh, it's still still not there. It's, it still still wants to do things wrong, talking to Peter Snowden. He said, the only way we're going to fix this bloke is just to keep, keep him going to the races with him. He, he's got to learn. And he goes, in a fast-run race, he doesn't yeah. have time to start throwing his head around and think. And, you know, that's what he got on Saturday... Tommy just kept a hold of him and kept him on the bridle for so long. And when they, if it was Randwick, it would have been where they come up the rise, just looking at him and said, geez, he's going to explode. And that's exactly what he did. So that's your legend, very, very good. I know they finished the club behind him, but he was clearly the, the next best run in the race. And um, don't know what Les is going to do with him. And he's always said that he's six months away and he was going to be patient with him, whether he gives him one more, more or, or 
and he wants to get into Randwick, so I think a race like the Brian Crowley might be his race. Um, and the others, well, they're, they're a fairly even bunch. I think the, those two just stand out. Yeah, I think you're right with King's Gambit. The, the only times he's ever been in fast-run races where he's enormous running the slipper and obviously there on Saturday. So the key to him is fast-run races. What do you think about down that straight, Duff? Because well, it, often it, they, they jump out and just hopeless, go steady hopeless. early and, and then it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's room home. So, so that, would a Coolmore, he's famed for the Coolmore now, would a Coolmore suit him? I don't know. It all depends on the pattern of the race. You know, in the old days, down the Flemington Strait with the 18 or 19 runners, they'd be just going 100 mile an hour. These, it seems in, in the modern day, it's like, let's get these horses balanced up and like barrier trial speed, and then let's just wind it up from the 600. I, I, I don't understand uh, some of the... I, I find it very hard to read the straight racing. And there was another couple of examples that on Saturday for horses... You know, I think it's a specialist specialist uh, act for, for a lot of horses down the straight. And he might come out of that run down the straight much the better for it. And maybe with cover uh, in a Coolmore, you, you can't really matter. It's the logical next step. He's a colt and well-bred colt. You've got to go there, even though uh, you'd be nervous with him um, after what he did down the straight the other day. But I think he was mad fresh that day. He wasn't wound up. And he did see that piece of paper and, and reacted to that, I thought. And it's not as if he failed. He, he was just disappointing as far as uh, the, the SP profile is concerned. Yeah. An interesting stat out of this race, Dave. Um, uh, Newgate have won it four times in their eight years with the syndicate. So they obviously target the race with their mm. horses. So that's something to remember. Henry Field had an interesting stat about the Cornwall compared to the Roman Consul for stallions who have um, who've won the race and gone on to produce stakes winners. And the score is 316 to about 110 in favour of the Roman Consul. It just shows, again, that um, this is probably a race that deserves an extra, a little boost in its status. And, um, you know, we, we've always sort of had to go down to Melbourne to get that, to get that Group 1 status. And they're good enough races in Sydney. And given that the, uh, uh, the Everest is now here and has been here for a while, this race could be could be put on the day to lead into the Everest, the two weeks out, but and and give um give the three year olds somewhere to race on their way through to the Everest. You know, there's, mm. there's an opportunity I, I, there. I think that's brilliant. No, you know, the, we'd have the two sprint races two weeks before the Everest. The older horses in the Concord or whatever it is, and the, the um, uh, Premier, yeah, uh, the Premier, and then the um, the Roman Consul on the same day. And then for the last people with their slots left, line up their times over the same course and distance, and and make their final selections. I, I think I don't know how that fits in with the other three-year-old races pro- program. You'll have to have a look, but I think there's a lot of merit in that discussion to bring the Roman Consul back one week to Epsom Day. Yeah. With the with the other race, yeah. Mm. Because by the time they get here, they, they, no one wants to run on this weekend. The, you, anyone no. who was in line for a slot was saying, oh, "I'm going to scratch it." And we saw it with our last question when it got the Kosciuszko slot. It scratched from Melbourne. Um, they don't. The the way modern trainers train and the modern times, it's not two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. It's three weeks, and you know they want to play around with it. So there are a little, a few little things that uh, would would um. Would fail, would would make um, the programming for those races a lot better, and and it means slot holders would hold on to that that two weeks out, and you know every there'd be three or four looking at things going well. You can imagine 
probably Shinzo who doesn't run in a golden golden rose if, if he mm. had a 1,200 metre group one to run in two weeks out from Mount Everest. Mm. Yep. Let's get to Pete on the line. G'day, Pete. No, no, we don't have Pete there. Has he disappeared? I thought we had Pete there, Nick. No, so we'll go to Pete shortly on the line. He wants to talk about the big dance. I thought he was there uh, ready to roll. Um, let's talk about the Tap Craig then. Macarena was very, very well backed. The beauty of social media, uh, he wasn't doing the Macarena Hawksy, but there's that video that they put up of the owners just dancing the Macarena um, at someone's house, Duff, and you can just see John going, what on earth's going on here? But they were, um, they got the chocolates. This is a nice feeling. Gee, they got some nice horses in the stable. Yeah, yeah, she, um, there was plenty of confidence there about her. Geez, the, the big tote punters late got a lot right there on Saturday. A couple of them things were just hammered as they, as they went into the barrier, and she was one of them. Um, probably because of the pattern of the day, maybe, that they latched, latched onto her. But she's she's still raw. And, and so to beat a field like that uh, is a real feather in a cap. Uh, Phillies the last two years, so the Phillies outdone the Colts and Gelding. So, yeah, she was very, very good. And I, I think has to have more to come. Um, in cap, I don't know whether he may have come to the end of a long, uh, a very good preparation, but, you know, you could... On re- in retrospect, you can look back on that race and say, yeah, maybe a forgive. Uh, the couple out of that race for me are He-Man, who I think if he stays on the inside, he nearly wins. And there's another classic example of a horse down the straight at Flemington at his previous start that his wheels were just spinning or didn't know where he was. And I think Duke Cast, after that setback, that's the run he had to have to get him back on track. He's come the widest runner there. And um, uh, I won't say a hidden run, uh, yes, I will. I'll say it was a hidden run, and although still a maiden, I wouldn't be dropping off his back. So Heeman and Ducasse follow, but the, the the filly is very good. Considering the way in which that track was uh, and what you said before, Duff, that He-Man, that, how he had to come out um, into yeah. that sort of part of the track, he's probably gone sensational. He has. No, he's really gone well, and uh, he won't be 60 to 1 next time. Uh, Gator, uh, Macarena, uh, 440. It was well found. Yeah, I think Duff nailed it. The punters are latching onto on-speed runners, especially down in the weights, and, and uh, Macarena certainly fitted that profile with the upside. She won well. She ran the time to back it up. Pretty fast day. We have to reference that as well as Duff has, but two, 2.8 lengths above class average early. Overall, 122.09 had them a length above, so she's done a really good job. Um, the first six all ran really well, though, you know, so um, yeah, they're probably all, all pretty handy, though. I, I, I read uh, I read NCAP as an end of prep run when they're over racing like that, uh, you know, mm. sixth run into a campaign. Uh, so um, I was keen on him on Saturday, but where he turn, if he turns up next time this prep, I'll be against. And uh, Chris, any news to come out of the uh, the tap, Craig, mate? Um, Macarena um, has been, was named by Jenny Hawks, um, John's wife, and, you know, I asked, I asked Michael whether he was going to be doing the Macarena after the race, and he said no, but I'm sure there'll be plenty who will be doing it after post-race. So um, she goes on, they'll probably look at the, look at go look for the money this time, and she's going to be a nice she's going to be a nice filly in the, and and win her races in time. They loved her at the sales, and um, they they found another good one, the Hawks, and um, it'll be a tough a tough gig for John and Michael because they they've got to go home home and. Um, and and explain how they how they're going to get this horse to a nice this to a, another nice race. Uh, Pete's on the line now. G'day, Pete. Yeah, g'day, boys. How are you? Good, mate. What have you got for us? 
Oh, mate, just um, the big dance eligibility regarding country cups horses. Um, us being owners and trainers in the country, we sort of get crucified trying to win a country cup now because the city horse is just coming and knocking them all off. Um, so, you know, we've lost that bit of a status. We, we get, can win a country cup. We're sort of very hard to win one now and we're struggling a bit with it. Okay, so so, so it's a, a co- more of a comment than a question. Yeah, no, just just wondering what your your thoughts are. Like, um, you know, we prepare horses to win cups races, and you know, of course, they're not, we're not up to the standard of the city horses, and the city horses come out and just just beat us. You know, we just you know we we the also runs most of the time in the cups now because of the the big dance eligibility sort of knocks us out of it. Are you a, a trainer yourself, Peter, or are you an owner? Yes, yes, trainer. You are trainer, a trainer. Owner, yeah. Can I ask your last name? Cornish. So in terms of, um, I guess, a, a comment here, Duff, Gator, Chris, on, on the big dance? Yeah, look, it's. Um, I think you can't have it both ways. You know, it's a, I think country racing has been promoted very well over the last five years, with obviously with this highway situation and um, money being injected into prize money in the country. Uh, look, the big dance is... Uh, I think it's more for the country clubs to show off their, uh, to get the turnover and, you know, and get these big trainers there, which attracts more attention to their area. I think a lot of country horses have qualified. If they're good enough, they've qualified for the, uh, not so much the big dance with their rating, but there's nothing wrong with a little dance uh, where that'll be nearly full of country horses worth a lot, a lot of money. And, you know, we've got country championships. We've got, you know, I, I think, I know it's tough, but I, I still think the country haven't been forgotten over the last five years. It's not all about the Everest, but it's just a personal opinion. I just feel that uh, we're promoting country racing better than we ever have. Chris? No, I think Dusty did on that head there. Like, there are, if you go through the winners of the big dance qualifying race, there are a lot of country horses there. They probably outnumber the city horses. It's just when the city horses go there, it makes it a lot more difficult for the smaller trainers trying to win their local cup. But in saying that, you get to go to Dubbo and places like that and see a horse maybe on its way through to winning in town. So um, it's 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 a catch-22 situation. You can't, I don't think you can have a big dance just for country trainers because it'll dilute the um, quality of the race and the quality of the race is getting better every year and... You know, we, we saw yesterday Bjorn Baker and John O'Shea went out to, to Dublin. How, how often would they wouldn't even know how to get there or which way to point the car. So um, I think that's great for country racing. And, and you've got to remember, like I've said, the highways, there's a race for 100,000 every week for country trainers now. They've, they've got country boosted maidens. They've got, there's been a lot of, lot of other things. And to concentrate on, on the top end of, of racing like that, it, I, I feel is, you know, sometimes counterproductive. You can't have it all. You, you get, they've got so much more to, to, to race for now. And I think most of the country trainers would say, you know, we prefer to be the nice horse from Sydney and show that we're up to it and things like that. And the other thing with all these country, good country races, there are more really good horses out in the country being trained. Like, you look at horses like Opal Ridge and, and, and the horses in the Kosciuszko, a lot of those horses would have found their way to Sydney trainers not five years ago. They don't do, they don't go there anymore. 
people leave them with the country trainers and they get a lot more opportunities when they get a good one. Exactly. Well, because there's a good example. The Kosciuszko country trainers, two million bucks. So if you've got an open company horse, uh, and it does help their stable to attract better clients as well, as we've seen. Uh, you know, a bloke like Mitchell Beer, who's, who's training for some of the biggest owners in the country, and and now because of their, they see opportunities for their horses that aren't up to, you know, probably have promise, but are not going to set the world on fire. And and there's these races here that you can place them for. Thanks. In the old days, in the old days, Dave, you would have, you know, if you're a country trainer with an open sprinter, you don't have a remorning in a town plane at Wonga, and that's about it. And you'd be racing for a hundred thousand, less than a hundred thousand in those races. Now you. Now, you, now, if you've got a really good sprinter on the way through, you can and you place it well. You can run in a country championship into into a Kosciuszko, and that's that's proven uh, a well-worn path. So, you know, that's I know we're talking about the absolute elite of country sprinters, but instead of racing for a hundred thousand, they're racing for two million. Geez, I'll take that any day. Let's go to thanks for your call, Pete. Let's go to uh, Swampy now. Who's on the line today, Swampy? Good day, boys. Listen, what's, what's you know, mind, you know it. You know how the tabs got monuments for their horses that get beat all the time? <laughs> yep. What, what about us little punters getting a monument for that David Eustace? Yes, he was on fire. You, you he, get he, him on every Thursday and he, he tips us poor little punters. He keeps us alive. He, he said uh, he gave Gold Trip a bit of a push and he mentioned one... Where was it? It was last Thursday, wasn't it, mate? He mentioned a horse and it got the chocolates. I can't remember. Yeah, was it Moral Moral? That's it, Moral Moral. That's right. That's right. That was in... Uh, where was that, mate? Was that Geelong? I don't know. Or... Yeah, was somewhere. Like that. Listen, was Dave, you don't get, you don't get rid of him. Keep him on on Thursday. No, he's uh, he can always come on the program. It's funny because he said to me once at the race, he said, whenever I go on Melbourne Radio and ask them, they ask for a tip, I can never give them a winner. But every time I'm on Sydney radio, it seemed to go all right. So, no, he's he's more than welcome. And obviously, they were very, very good um, performances uh, on the weekend from both uh, Kieran and David. They got their operation just ticking over beautifully. Gee, they've got a lot of horses in work. Duff, when you see how many horses they've got, I think they've nearly got as many, if not more, than, than Chris. I read a... They are the biggest stable ones. Yeah. I, there was a printout uh, issued. It must be the horses that are on the books. It must be a website that tells you how many horses they've got and I think it was up towards 700 and something Yeah, and, and that was well well clear of Chris and I think maybe even Annabelle ch- chap, uh, snapping at their heels so she's got a lot as well so it's the, the new other, way Yes, Chris? The other thing with them, Dave, Dave is their strike rate, they're up around 17% they just, they just place their horses as well too Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Peter's on the line G'day Peter Hi mate, how you going? Good mate, what's on your mind? I just wanted to know about what the boys' thoughts would be about democracy manifests in the Turak. I'm just thinking, is it an afterthought or, or is, it just, is it its grand final? I mean, it's had two real good runs and it, what, it broke the track record in the Tibby and it was a bit unlucky in the Epsom. And I'm just thinking, down there, wow, well, could put a good jockey on it and it'll give him a fright, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't think it'll be an afterthought with that stable. Um, so, yeah, it's, an, it's a next natural progression, although there's a couple of handy ones in that race that uh, yeah. may, may, may take a, a bit of beating. But you're going to get... It's all about pricing, and I think the timing's yeah, 15's. right. Fifteen. Fifteen, is it? You might even get a little bit better, I reckon. Yeah. Would you have any idea who would ride it? Would it be a Melbourne jockey? 
Not sure. Not sure. It have to be. It have to be because all the good Sydney jockeys are going down there with the Everest here. Um, I'd be careful because it's in that series. It's got points for the mile bonus, so it's rating might make it hard for it to get a run in the King Charles. I think it's around a hundred, and just depending on whether they get a full field for the King Charles, I, I, I'm not sure whether whether I haven't spoken to Chris, but I'm not sure whether they've fully committed to going to Melbourne for a two rack if they could run here and. They run well and having to lob into a place, and they probably yeah. get um, and, a bit extra cash. And just on that, so uh, there's a bit of it. I'll give you a tip here, Pete. There's a bloke called Trav Noonan, Travis Noonan, who um, works down there in Melbourne, and he sort of uh, does a lot of the ringing around and, and sort of you know can get an idea of how the fields are looking and who's riding what. And in his Turak handicap field, uh, Democracy Manifest is not there. He's got Huetoa, Mark Zara, the inevitable. David Perez, Pinstripe Ben Allen, Amelia's Jewel, Damien Lane. No uh, rider yet for attrition. Pounding, uh, corner pocket, see you in heaven. And Tino, amenable, here to shock, Charterhouse, a session, Pride of Jenny, Madam Pomery for Chris Waller, and Banker's Choice. So he doesn't have Democracy Manifest there in his field, and that was published, what, late last night. So just, yeah, buy, buy beware there. Although that is, that is still a pre-noms market. The Turek handicap, so that's going to switch over pretty soon, won't it, boys? Because they about midday. Yeah, so you yeah, can I'd still. Say, I'd, yeah, I'd say he'd be nominated day Dave just to cover themselves if um, he didn't get a run in Sydney too. So it's just one of those ones. It's probably probably smart to wait to see whether he's in the field, so you don't just do your money. You do it cold. Yeah, and he's still not going to... If he is in the field, I don't think he's going to be much shorter than 15, so you're better off taking that insurance and waiting with a horse like him. What does she get? Does she get 55 and a half Amelia's Jewel? Is that the consensus, Chris? Seems like it. The uh, Wettel being there um, gives them a natural top weight, so um, she gets she gets well well in. As we said last week, she's had two runs in Melbourne for two wins and hasn't got a, a ratings point, so... Um, uh, you know, and ran track record. So and where do you, where do you, where you know the handicap, the handicapping, the handicap has certainly given her, a, given her a um a chance to get in with the right weight. So, but she is very good. Look, Life Lessons ran finished behind her and it went out and won on the weekend. The form's starting to stack up behind her. So, mm. um, I don't, I, we're talking about a very good horse that's going to get in with a very good weight in a in a handicap. Be very interesting to see which way she does go, and maybe you know that with that Hong Kong horse uh, not winning on Saturday and putting a, a gap in them, uh, she's now four dollar favourite for a Cox Plate and an All In Market Amelia's Jewel. So it'd be very interesting to see whether now that has maybe changed their mind. Maybe if he came out on Saturday and was dominant in a victory, they may have thought, oh, okay, we'll go to a Golden Eagle. But um, now that uh, that uh, door and is well and truly open, and it always has been. Um, do you think? I can tell you, Dave. I can tell you, Dave, that they've already put in the charity for for the Golden Eagle. If that means anything, Peter Walsh has already been in contact with Racing New South Wales and then the ATC and said, "This is the charity what right. we want um, our money to go to for the ten percent charity aspect of the Golden Eagle." So that might not mean nothing, anything, but it's it, it it might mean a lot. Like. Um, you know, they'll go to whatever race they think they can win. If they think they can win a Cox Plate and they think she's going to be short enough in the market after the weekend, they'll go to a Cox Plate. There's one thing, the one thing that um, Duff said 
if Dean Lesser was there, he he would have all the options for Simon, and it'll always help him out. But you know, well, we just should we just should celebrate these good horses, having them in both states at the moment, and and you know everyone will turn onto the tour to watch Amelia Shaw. Yeah, exactly right. That's uh, that's interesting. Okay, so there's a there's a little bit of news in relation to. Amelia's jewel, as Chris said, though whether that means nothing, we'll soon find out. But uh, she's four fifty favourite in a Golden Eagle, and Legato is now confirmed. Uh, Michael D will be in Sydney on Golden Eagle Day. That was confirmed. I saw yesterday by Mick Gearan on social. Legato definitely coming for a Golden Eagle at six dollars. So that race starting to take shape. We know that obviously, um, and we'll see on the weekend as well. And the the Silver Eagle. Uh, the horse from Toowoomba, Yellow Brick, with Craig Williams on board. So that race will really start to take shape as well. Before we get to our previews of New South Wales racing, uh, we've got to get some horses to follow. I might come to you here, Gator. We haven't heard from you for a little bit. Um, uh, your horses to follow from Saturday uh, just gone. Yeah, we touched on Westwind Blows in the early work in a fast race. So we'll go with him and Von Hawk in the last at Flemington. Ran on well against the Patton. Both Magic Time and Gringotts for me out of Sydney. Yep, I'm with a couple that I think uh, were disadvantaged by the, the track, so we're just looking for the right races and the right class of races for Territory Express, who was excellent, um, I thought, in the midway. Uh, I think He-Man is a promising horse, placed right, and Amarance out of the highway, uh, her effort was enormous considering circumstances. So Territory Express, He-Man, Amarance. Chris, your horses to follow, mate. Yeah, I, I thought protagonist was excellent coming up the inside. I think um, just he, he's probably a build-up horse that would have would have appreciated getting a clear run. Goes to the Dave St. Roots, couldn't miss her run. I think hopefully they give her an invitation, and and that looks an ideal race for her. She's a great horse at seven. I thought snapback. <laughs> I'm only laughing because it was named after you. That's the only reason, and you're in love with it. Well, wouldn't you be, Dave? They don't call anything Stanley. They're, no, they're, they're no they do. They do. I think we were they're going around Grafton in the class one over 2300. We are going backwards. Yeah. Um, I thought Snapback was pretty good in the in the Tap Craig. I thought he, um, he was laid in on top of and he got to the line pretty well, looking for a mile now. And no compromises sections late, late in the Boat Parade race, the Hill Stakes, were really good. He's just screaming out to find a handicap now where he can run well. I think we'll see him down in Melbourne and probably be at a nice price to have a, a good bet on. Okay. Gentlemen, have a great week ahead. Obviously, we've got the barrier draw tomorrow night. Any rumours about the barrier draw? I know it's a bit of a, a, a secret at the moment, Chris, but uh, what are the, what's the street corner rumour about how it's going to unfold? I don't, I, I don't know what they'll come up with, but they've, they've set such a high bar that, you know, it could be anything, you know. Um, I, I just can't wait to see what, what they do come up with and um, it's not a barrier draw as such Dave, it's yes. a barrier reveal because the the um, betting will go behind closed doors early tomorrow morning when the final field is announced and um, you have to wait to 8 o'clock to see what uh, Peter Volandis and the, and the crew have come up with to um, display the barrier number in Sydney Harbour and any specials this week in terms of broadcast stuff? I know that, uh, obviously, uh, you've got Formline on Thursday night. Uh, you've got uh, a couple of other shows as well? Um, yep. Uh, well, not for me. I'm too busy doing the form. So I've got Formline, the Golden Path, and uh, yeah, good. 
and uh, just get into this uh, enjoyable piece of form. We'll start tomorrow night when we get the barrier draw. We'll get one race out of the road and we'll get ready for the next nine the next day. But uh, that barrier draw, I expect the unexpected and uh, um, yeah, it's going to be disruptive, put it that way. We've got, uh, as well, David Gately, you'll be on Sky Racing 1 throughout the week, mate, and in the best seat of the house on Saturday with Mardo there in Davo, and looking forward to uh, chatting to you next Monday, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. The undercard on the weekend, just to give you an idea of some of the races we've got coming up. So in Sydney, we've got the Tab Everest, we've got the King Charles the Third Stakes, the Sydney Stakes, the Kosciuszko, Silver Eagle, Gloaming Stakes, the ATC St. Ledger Stakes, the Ank Stakes, the Reginald Allen Quality, and also a Benchmark 78. That's our 10-race card on Saturday in Sydney. And down there at Caulfield as well, we've got, as your program, and it's a cracker, we've got uh, the Caulfield Guineas, the Thoroughbred Club Plate, the Beck Grand Final Handicap, the Scalacci Stakes, the Big Screen Company Weekend Hustler Stakes, the Highland Race Colours Turak Handicap, the Might and Power, the Herbert Power, uh, the Northwood Plume Stakes, and, of course, the Ladies' Day Vars. Two cracking race meetings and you will not miss a thing here on Sky Sports Radio.